worship together this morning. Join me in your Bibles or Bible apps as we first hear these words from the 150th Psalm. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty firmament. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his surpassing greatness. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with string pipe. Praise him with clanging cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that breathes praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now receive these selected verses from the letters of James, taken from the third chapter and beginning with the fifth verse. Who is wise and understanding among you? Show by your good life that your works are done with gentleness, born of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not be boastful and false to the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, devilish. For where there is envy and selfish ambition, there will also be disorder and wickedness of every kind. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without a trace of partiality or hypocrisy. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace for those who make peace. Those conflicts and disputes among you, where do they come from? Do they not come from your cravings that are at war within you? You want something and do not have it, so you commit murder. And you covet something and cannot obtain it, so you engage in disputes and conflicts. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly in order to spend what you get on your pleasures. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts. Receive what the Spirit is saying. Friends, let's pray together. Loving and gracious God, we give you thanks that you turn your face toward us. Let the light of your face shine upon us in this time. May your spirit move among us in this time to open us to receive your word for us that we might be moved to reflect the light of your face in the world, your love, your justice. May my words and meditation be acceptable to you, O God, for you and you alone are my strength and 
our Redeemer. Amen. So the Gaines-Sorelli household continues our long trek through the zombie apocalypse that is The Walking Dead. Now in season seven, it's become clear to us that at some point along the way, the primary adversaries, the primary threat shifted from the zombie horde to the people, the humans, the ones who are still alive. As the crisis drags on and on, food, medicine, and other resources grow thin. Hope in a positive future and trust in any stranger are also in low supply. Everyone is just trying to survive. Kill or be killed, survival of the fittest, look out for number one are common themes. And increasingly the narrative is exploring questions about what a person is willing to do to survive. Whether simply staying alive, simply having a heartbeat, is that worth some of the things that you would do to achieve that? What are you willing to do to survive? If, is it worth losing your sense of self? Is it, is it worth losing your sense of humanity? All of this came to my mind as I pondered our text from James today, which reads in part, where there is envy and selfish ambition, there will also be disorder and wickedness of every kind. James goes on, of course, as we've just heard, to point out how we pit ourselves against others and how when we want something and can't obtain it, we get into disputes and conflicts and are even willing to kill to get what we want. Now, perhaps I'm making James' teaching bigger than what it's meant to convey. I mean, after all, we are not, in fact, living in the middle of a zombie apocalypse. But we are living in a moment of profound upheaval and suffering. Right now, grief is pervasive. Trust is small. Fear is big. Violence and vulnerability are ever-present. Supply lines are a mess and medicine well, everyone is just trying to survive. These realities don't necessarily bring out the best in people. Conflicts and disputes abound. A couple of days ago, I had an interesting conversation with a couple of folks I know who work at our local pub. They said that the behavior in the restaurant has been really, really challenging over the last couple of months as people have come back. The manager of the place 
told me that she has been yelled at and cursed at more in the last two months than she has in the last five years. People are upset that some things aren't available. People are upset that they're not able to get whatever they want. And having spent just a minute in the restaurant industry, that job is hard even in the best of times. I can't imagine what some of these folks are having to put up with in this one. Our collective patience and emotional resources have grown pretty thin. And you know, we don't even need all of this extra that we're dealing with right now to get caught in what James is talking about. Our whole culture encourages competition and keeping up with the Joneses. It advocates self-help and self-serve and self-ease and self-promotion and self-obsession. Of course, there's a healthy way to practice self-care and self-improvement. But in our popular culture, the food dished out daily for our consumption is selfishness, a big dose of selfishness with a side of envy. Cultural religion, the popular wisdom with its materialism and ruthlessness and pursuit of power and the drive to win at all costs is pervasive. And we have to be very careful to not end up worshiping at that altar. We can so easily get turned in on ourselves, on our own needs, on the things that others have that we want, whether those things are possessions or relationships or jobs, positions, titles, or whatever. I've said for years that the tagline for the current cultural religion is a quote, not from the Prince of Peace, but from the Burger King. You know the tagline. You know, it's been more than 40 years that our culture has been infused with this line. You deserve to have it your way right away. Your way right away. More than 40 years. That's been funneled into the cells of our being. We've been told that that's what we should expect. Your way, my way, my way right away. I should get what I want right now. If we're not careful, that begins to take over. Begins to take over. And we realize that we have landed kneeling before the altar of cultural religion, the idols of cultural religion. If we're not wise, we can end up making choices, we can act and speak in ways that are hurtful both towards ourselves and toward others. James, in our text, contrasts this earthly, unspiritual, devilish wisdom 
with the wisdom from above that is, quote, first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without a trace of partiality or hypocrisy. The community for whom this was written appears to be a congregation of Jesus followers in the first century of the Common Era. And the point, really, at its most basic, is that selfishness and envy lead to conflict in community, while works done with the gentleness born of wisdom bear good fruits that make for peace. And James is clear about what Jesus' followers should strive for. But in this moment, this present moment, it's difficult to live up to that call, to consistently act with gentleness born of wisdom. Though, as a collective, we're not only seeing selfishness everywhere, There have been so many beautiful stories of human selflessness and generosity and and peacemaking, even in the midst of the pandemics. You see, we do have a choice. All of this conjured for me a nature versus nurture question. Do humans come into the world prone to selfishness? Or does it depend upon our context and upbringing? I found an interesting short essay responding to this very question, and I'm gonna share some of it with you. Here's the setup, and this is a quote. There's been a long general assumption that human beings are essentially selfish. We're apparently ruthless with strong impulses to compete against each other for resources, and to accumulate power and possessions. If we are kind to one another, it's usually because we have ulterior motives. If we're good, it's only because we've managed to control and transcend our innate selfishness and brutality. This bleak view, and this is a continued quote, this bleak view of human nature is closely associated with the science writer Richard Dawkins, whose book, The Selfish Gene, became popular because it fitted so well with and helped justify the competitive and individualistic ethos of late 20th century societies. Like many others, Dawkins justifies his views with reference to the field of evolutionary psychology. Evolutionary psychology theorizes that present-day human traits developed in prehistoric times, which they describe as a period of intense competition when life was kind of like a Roman gladiatorial battle in which only the traits that gave people a survival advantage were selected and all others fell by the wayside. And because people's survival depended on access to resources, think rivers, forests, and animals, there was bound to be competition and conflict between rival groups. This is the way the thinking goes. And that this this then led to the development of traits such as racism and warfare. 
This seems logical, the author says, but in fact, the assumption it's based on, that prehistoric life was a desperate struggle for survival, is false. That caught my attention. The author, who is a professor of psychology in the UK, goes on to highlight that the relatively small population of humans, the abundance of environmental resources, and hunter-gatherer cultures prevalent in the prehistoric period give no evidence or reason for competition or conflict. Both ancient and modern evidence of hunter-gatherer cultures reveals a tendency toward egalitarianism, cooperation, altruism, and peacefulness. The suggestion is that much of the selfishness that we experience today, those cultural religion idols that tend toward unhealthy competition and violence, that these have grown out of shifts in what are really a natural habitat for humankind. And the final assessment of this particular psychologist is that human goodness is more deeply rooted in us than human evil. Now, you can agree with that, disagree with that, pull it apart in any number of ways. The article is not exhaustive. However, I was, I was captivated and interested because within this little essay, there is a claim that humankind is created to live in a certain kind of way. And that way tends toward mutuality and peace through selflessness and sharing and working together. And that way of living, the article suggests, can be and has been disrupted by radical shifts across centuries in how we live together with one another and with the whole creation. And that in itself those disruptions give rise to suffering and conflict, injustice, greed, and violence of all kinds. Now, that seems in line, it seems resonant with the biblical story of God's relationship with us and with all of creation. You know how the story begins. God makes a good creation and a garden that provides for all the needs of creation and humans among it. The garden is full of abundance, it's a place of peace. There's only one boundary, one thing that the human creature is denied, and the human creature wants that thing, wants what isn't theirs, wants more than they need, and chooses to disrupt things to get that thing. Hiding, shame, and lies follow. Disappointment, betrayal, and disconnection follow. And not long after, Brother kills brother. The rest, dang it, there's not one up here either. 
I should have had a Bible. I'm telling you, there are moments when a preacher just wants to hold the book. And this is one of those moments. I wanna lift up the book and say, the rest of the whole book, normally there's a Bible right here. The rest of the whole book (laughs) is in one way or another, the story of God's love calling us and waiting for us, like the prodigal child, to come to ourselves, to relinquish our selfish ways, and just come home. When I first contemplated the message for today, I thought it would be about how the Jesus way of life together is a new way. That was gonna be my angle. But then I realized I'd forgotten that what James simply calls us back to is the original way, the really, really old way, the way that we are all, all of us, created to be. It's our original operating system the one in which each one of us is made in the image of God and imprinted upon each one of our very beings is that divine image. We are created to share in God's way of life together that is marked not by selfishness and envy, but by thoughtful, self-giving love and compassion and gentleness and mutual support. That original operating system has gotten all sorts of bugs and hacks and viruses over the years. But it's still viable. And as we turn this corner as a community, we can choose how to be together. Will selfish concerns and bitter envy get carried with us into the new season, the new day that stretches out ahead of us? Why not do a scrub of the system? (laughs) Why not push the reset button, start fresh? You know what they say we're supposed to do when something isn't working in the way it's supposed to work? What do you do? You unplug it. Reboot. What is one thing, just one thing that you can admit or shift or release or confess or forgive or take on that will allow you to reset to start fresh, to revert to that operating system that is God's vision and way for you, for us? What will allow you to buck the trend and be patient and kind and merciful? By God's grace, we can choose to make the old way new again. 
And maybe we'll remember that God created us not just to survive at any cost, but to live with and for God and others. We may not re-enter the Garden of Eden, but we are promised that as we plant seeds of peace, God will draw near and give us a harvest of peaceful community and right relationship and joy. And I don't know about you, but that's exactly what I need. And for that promise, I say thanks be to God.